Hey everybody, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug, and we are here with episode number 78. Guys, this one is super, super important. As we prepare for third quarter, which is typically the biggest grind with full weeks and weather changes and cabin fever, and just it's just hard for a lot of reasons, this episode is, is going to be huge. In it, when I talked with Courtney Carver, who is a expert, you know what, I'm even going to go out and call her a guru of simplicity and simple living and how to declutter our lives. She was so willing to come and and talk with me and I I was so honored um, because I just hold her in such high regard with her books and her blog and her videos and the projects that she does. And so in this episode, I hope you really take time to hear what she has to say. It's way more than just removing items from a room or a space. We're talking about how to avoid burnout, how to get ourselves in, a, in a, a place where we're taking care of our health, we're appreciating our, our family and friends, and we're not getting so consumed in things that easily lead to stress and anxiety and some other mental ailments if we're not careful. And so I hope you enjoy this episode. I would love to hear your thoughts. I would love to hear your reactions, things that you're doing. Um, because I think this is going to be really important for all of us. Whether you're an educator or a parent or um, a friend, it, it doesn't really matter who you are. There is something in here for this. So I hope you take the time to share and spread. And so if you do and you find this helpful, take a screenshot, share it on social media, send a link out, let people know, not just so I get another like or view, but because the message that Courtney Carver provides in this podcast, I think can be so pivotal to help us leave the stress and anxiety behind to live that better life. Or as she says, to be more with less. So here we are jumping into the episode, episode 78 with Courtney Carver. I hope you enjoy this. Just even her voice is so soothing. I find myself relaxed listening to this, and I've probably listened to it three or four times, taking notes and figuring out how I'm going to apply these ideas to my life to live a life of more fulfillment. All right, here we go, boys and girls. Courtney Carver, be more with less. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Aaron Mauer, outside the box thinker, here to teach each and every teacher how to tinker. Living on the edge of chaos, born insane. Listening to coffee chugs like caffeine for the brain. One of the top teachers in Iowa, word is born. Here to show the world that there's more here than corn. Chaos. Hello everyone, how you doing? This is Coffee Chug and we are here with another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I have on the Today Show an amazing guest. I'm so excited and honored to have a chance to actually um, speak with Courtney in person and and share all her infinite wisdom that she has around the work that she does um, with educators. And and as many of you know who've been listening to the podcast, we're we're really focused on learning space and design and how do we create conditions for optimal learning. And a lot of us are spending these next couple months reframing our learning spaces by thinking about how can we declutter our room, create some better systems of of organization and and learning design so we can increase the optimal learning conditions for kids. And so um, I want to jump right into this action here because Courtney has so much that she can offer and I really just want to tap into all the wisdom that she has. And so uh, Courtney, uh, could you 
start us off here and, and kind of introduce yourself and kind of explain the work you do, who you are, and I mean, you do so much, but kind of give a, a brief overview of, of, of some of the things that you've got currently going on. Sure. Well, thank you so much for inviting me to do this and to share a little bit about myself. Um, I, oh gosh, where do I even start? So in, <laughs> let's back kind of way up. In sure. 2006, I was working in the publishing and advertising industry. So I worked as an ad director for a group of luxury magazines. And prior to that, I had gotten myself um, deep into debt, probably from the minute I turned 18 and could, could get my hands on a credit card, I was down the rabbit hole and just kept accumulating stuff as we do and debt and then the busyness and trying to keep up with the stuff and the debt. It became this crazy vicious circle that really wore me down and eventually made me sick. And I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 2006. Now, of course, I don't know for sure or can't really say that those things caused the actual disease, but I know that it exacerbated the symptoms and made me feel really unwell. And with that diagnosis, I had a lot of freedom to say, okay, something's not right. What's, what's not working in my life and how can I fix it? Because I want to live well with this disease. I want to be there for my family. I want to go skiing with my husband and travel with my daughter. And I don't want to, you know, run myself down and keep having disease decline and, um, exacerbations and all the lovely things that come with multiple sclerosis. Uh, so, in many ways, it was really a blessing that I was diagnosed because otherwise, I don't know if I would have stopped. Um, I wouldn't have done this big pause and say, what's going wrong and how can I fix things? And through the research that I did, I decided that eliminating stress was one of the most powerful ways that I could be happier, healthier, and and well for a very long time. So... My goal in the beginning was never to, to get simple or to simplify my life, but instead to reduce stress. But what happened is everything I did to reduce stress came in the form of simplic simplicity, like simplifying things from my diet to clutter to debt. And eventually in 2010, I started a, a blog called Be More With Less to share what I had been learning and connect with others who were going through similar things. Uh, and it's continued to grow. My health has continued to improve, um, all thanks to, again, just really taking a good look at things and, and deciding what needed to be changed. Yeah, and I love that, and I, I appreciate you sharing that that story and, and, and that journey. And so I know for a lot of people, I know right now, and in, in, in particular kind of challenge we're doing, we're, we're focused on, on physical decluttering in terms of like material items. But I think it's it's so much more than that, and, and I know that's a lot of uh, where your work is. And one of the things that I keep hearing from a lot of educators as we're kind of going through this process is um, that sometimes the decluttering can almost kind of be stressful, you know, and that's really not the intent or goal. Um, and so as, as you do this work and you work and speak to tons of people, you've been doing this for, for a long time. Um, how have you helped people kind of get through that hurdle? Because I think, you know, like, like so many of us are guilty is we amass so many items for a variety of reasons, whether we're trying to cover a deal with emotions or things like that. But then as we try to realize like, Hey, you know, it, 
maybe I should let some of these things go, that also becomes stressful because we, we start to attach emotion and things to it. Um, and so as you've worked with people, how have you helped them or what are some strategies ideas to help people kind of work through that? Because I think if they can get to that hurdle, they start to, you know, kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Definitely. And you're right. I mean, decluttering takes time. It takes energy. It takes emotion. You have to let go of things. It can feel stressful. So I think it's really important that either before you get started or right now, if you've already started to really connect with why you want to declutter, because oftentimes I think, you know, we read a fun spring cleaning um, article in a magazine or it's the new year, so we're supposed to get rid of stuff. So we do this like quick declutter, and then we fill up the space all year long and have to do it again. Right. <laughs> However, if we have a really solid reason to let go for good, to declutter for good, that gives us a lot of leverage in terms of sticking with it when it's hard and finding new ways to approach it. Because even though I don't particularly like to spend my weekends decluttering, I found some ways to really make it almost fun in that it doesn't have to be this terrible chore. And that's not to say it's always going to be easy, but there are ways to make it a little bit more fun, um, especially if you're looping your family into it. Yeah, I like that. And I think getting back to that, I mean, it's, it's, it's true for anything we do in life. You know, you hit, a, hit, hit the nail on the head there. It's really getting back to like, why? Like, why am I doing this? And not just because I see you know, 75 million tweets talking about that it's, it's time to declutter because it's the new year, but really getting to what's the reason for this. Um, and I think that that's so important. It, it, it's a step that's easy to overlook because we don't always want to dive into that question because it can sometimes be a loaded question for, for, for many of us. Yeah, when we want to take action and get going and get moving, but if we don't have a purpose for that direction, it's really not going to last. All we're going to do is make space for more stuff. But what we really want to do is make stuff for more life. So just that in itself, like framing it in that way, you know, I'm clearing these bookshelves not to make room for new books, or I'm clearing off my desk, not so I can pile all kinds of stuff on it starting tomorrow, but so I can move through life a little bit lighter. Because all that stuff is weighing us down, whether we like it or not. It really is. Yeah, yeah. And I know for the listeners of this podcast, so many of us are, are educators. And, and what I see time and time again is we, we, we collect all these things that we need in a moment's notice for any situation that happens when we see lots of kids in the classroom. And, and what happens is it, it tends to overflow, not just in our classroom, but then we have stuff in our cars and we have stuff in what starts off in just our office at home, but then it spreads to the kitchen table and the dining room table. And next thing you know, it, your, your work has just kind of manifested itself everywhere like a virus. And um, when I was reading, I mean, I, I follow your work on online and you had a, a tweet the other day or you responded to, to someone on on the, on the tweet that said, um, I don't say no because I'm too busy. I say no because I don't want to get too busy. And I often think about educators or anybody who has a lot, lot of things on their plate, learning how to say no can sometimes help with that declutter process, both mentally and physically, because if we continue to say yes to all these things, naturally what happens is we get stressed, or we, you know, we go shopping or we buy all these things for partially completed projects that we never finish. And it just kind of just becomes this 
self-fulfilling prophecy of, of clutter and, and stress and anxiety. And so how do you, how do you work with learning to, to say no and not say yes to anything? And I think in this, in this lens, I really think about educators because by nature, they are people pleasers. I mean, I, I think that's just the, in the DNA of so many educators. They want to try to, you know, come to everybody's rescue and say yes and kind of be that. And so saying no is so hard. But I think it's also, you know, it's also essential to that that declutter process. And so how do you work through that to have the confidence to go, no, not right now? Yeah, it is really hard. I can imagine, especially in that field. But every time we say yes, we're saying no to something else and to several something else's. Um, First and foremost, our health in many cases. So we keep saying yes and yes and yes, and we end up feeling run down, overwhelmed, even resentful that people keep asking us to do things. Uh, I had the, the good luck to hear um, author and vulnerability researcher Brene Brown speak last week, and she was talking about this very thing and talking about how we need to be willing to choose discomfort over resentment because what's happening now is we're saying yes, and then we're mad that we said yes. And so we're very resentful about (laughs) what we're being asked to do, how much time it's taking, how it's making us feel. And that, that resentment is making us feel worse. So we have to choose discomfort and be able to say, no, I have too much on my plate or no, it's not possible that this happens this week or no, but I have this other idea for you, or here's another way we could approach it. Um, Because, yeah, you just, I mean, without some boundary and clarity around your message, people are going to keep trying to get more from you. And not in in a mean way. It's just their nature. It's just our nature with each other. So boundaries really help. Um, Another thing that Brene said is that clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Mm. So be very clear. We can be clear and kind. Um, kindness doesn't mean that we say yes to every request. Um, kindness means that we honor the request. We give an honest answer while protecting our own boundaries and, you know, doing our best to serve without killing ourselves in the process. Yeah. I love that. And I know for me personally, that's where I've been trying to spend the last couple of months. It hasn't been easy where I feel like you try to be, something for everyone and you you become just kind of mediocre in a lot of things and so I know I've been really trying to refocus myself in the work that I do of what is it that I want to have clarity on and I you know I wasn't thinking it in that way but once you said that I was like that's exactly what I was trying to do is is build this clarity of what do I want to stand for and where do I want to feel like my niche is and then the next part now is trying to figure out how to let go of all this material stuff that I've collected over my career of things where I was like, well, I want to learn how to be really good in this. And I want to learn to be really good in that. And I want to learn to be, Oh, I want to learn how to do this. And next thing I know, I've got all these things and I see these unfinished products and it just creates so much more stress that I've never really dove in. And so I really like what you're saying there about Brene. I was just bringing that clarity for what we want to stand for and, and, you know, and then kind of weaving out the things that, that, that don't fit that mode or idea. Yeah. We're so afraid to walk away from things that we decided were a good idea once upon a time and then changed our mind. It's like, we don't want to admit that 
it wasn't the right move, but maybe, <laughs> right. maybe it was in the time. But as things change, like if you're not using the elliptical trainer anymore or the tent or the camping gear or the new project that like you mentioned, you might be working on to learn a new skill. If that is simply you are keeping it because you feel like you owe it to the stuff or to yourself to follow through, knowing that you're not going to, you're just going to make yourself feel worse. And I find this is pretty universal across the board when it comes to stuff. It could be a pair of shoes that you paid too much money for that don't fit you, but you are determined to make them work, even though your feet bleed at the end of every event with these shoes on (laughs) (laughs) or whatever it is, we have to be willing to say, okay, I have paid enough. I paid with my money. I paid with my time. I have paid with my space and now I'm paying with my emotion. I've paid enough. I'm going to let this item go now. And interestingly, in almost every situation, the guilt and that dreadful feeling that we have goes with the object. We forget about it. It's gone. It's out of sight. But if we're reminded about it day after day after day, we just carry that with us. Yeah. Yeah. And so is, so I'm curious about, I mean, I, you, I know you've got a book out. You've got your, your Project 333. You have, you've, got, you've got so many amazing platforms to educate and empower people. Um, and as we've been digging into ways to declutter our learning spaces, which really kind of manifests itself into just decluttering our life in general, um, what's your method for getting started to declutter? Because I feel like everybody I read, they're all after the same goal, but when everybody kind of has a, a different system or a different mentality in terms of how they go about trying to figure out this life of simplicity, not having as many material items. And so um, I know it's not just an easy 20-second answer, but how do, how do you start that, that declutter process through the work that you do? Um, for those that maybe haven't come across your work and, and, and dove into your books or any, any of the other programs that, that you have. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different methods for this, but for me what works best is kind of a slow and steady inch by inch process. So instead of looking at my kitchen or my classroom and thinking, oh my gosh, I have to get this finished today. I have a small box and I'm going to fill the box and that's it for today. Mm. And then tomorrow I'm going to do another box and the next day I'm going to do another one. And it's going to be, like I said, inch by inch, step by step, thing by thing. Um, Consistency is more important than intensity. So even though we get really motivated to declutter sometimes or so frustrated that we just have to get rid of this stuff, it is, it, it's, it will last longer and be more powerful in your life if it's consistent. So a little bit every day is going to go much further than just getting in there on a Saturday and um, getting as much stuff out as possible. It's going to come back more quickly. Yeah, I like that. And I know we were, as we're kind of going through our own little challenge, people have two pathways where each day, kind of just what you said, they have to get rid of something. Or we've tried like the 30 day, I think they they call it the minimalist challenge where, you know, day one, you get rid of one item, day two. I was just going to suggest that. (laughs) You know, and it's it's been real interesting. I mean, at, at the time of this recording, we're we're on day 15. So I think we're at 120 items if, for those that are making it through. And it's just um, real fascinating as, as, as we're trying to, you know, connect with one another and help each other get through it because it's like, oh my gosh, what do we do now? Like, uh, okay, now what? Now what? You know, and so it's been yeah. just a really great 
journey and, and it's, you know, trying to just help people realize whether you're doing the one where you increase each day or it's just a couple items each day, like we're all winning in this. It's not a competition, which I think, you know, is, is so much human nature anymore, especially, you know, um, uh, in the American type mentality where we think we always got to be number one. And so it's, it's not a competition among each other. It's just doing like, just like you said, consistently every day, just do something, you know? Um, and I think that, 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 that's so important. Definitely. And look that like the minimalist game, it really makes it fun. Like you look forward to, you know, how am I going to get to this many items today? I wonder what that's going to look like versus, Oh my God, I have to get rid of more stuff. (laughs) So if you can, if you can keep that approach and, and there's plenty of decluttering challenges out there. Um, but that, that really helps. Yeah. And I know as, 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 as you work through this, you know, and, and we're trying to figure it out our, ourselves. Like, how do you, whether it's the minimalist game is, is one approach, how have you seen other people stay consistent with the work? Because I think it's it's always, as we know with anything, whether, you know, people are trying to get back and being in shape or eating healthy, like, it's always the first couple of days are, are easy. It's, you know, now where we are, we're not we're not quite to that point where it's, it's it's been an established habit. We haven't done enough consistent days, but we're also kind of past, like, the easy part where you can spend the first couple of days right and you go oh i just got garbage over. this is so easy to throw away and now we're kind of in that that middle ground of oh man now i actually have to make some legitimate choices you know and this is kind of where people drop off whether we're talking to cluttering or something else and so how do you encourage people to kind of keep working through that or, or stay consistent till we get to that point you know where just like you said it, it becomes habit and just part of our lifestyle where we're not doing it for three days you know or for a month and then we go and collect again for another 11 months and then start again the new year yeah, I think it comes back to that why. Like your heart has to be in the game here. Why do you want to do this? Why do you want to make this change in your life, whatever it is? And then that change, if it's a superficial change, like, oh, I want to look good at my high school reunion, I don't think your heart buys into that. Your ego does. And so your ego might be willing to push you along for a few days. But unless your heart's in the game and your heart is understands like, oh, I want to stop eating sugar, not for my high school reunion, not to prove I'm something that maybe I'm not, but to sleep better, to reduce my chances of cancer or heart disease. These are the reasons that have long lasting sticking power. So just come back to the why, like, why are you wanting to make this big change in your life? And I mean, for something like decluttering that takes so much time and energy, I mean, a good why could be, I I never want to have to do this again. So, (laughs) right? Like, I never want to waste a month of my life getting rid of stuff, so I'm not going to let it come back in. I will be vigilant about the clutter creep because I know what it took to get rid of it in the first place. Yeah, and that's... I I mean, that's so true. Like, I'm going through through the journey myself, uh, and I'm just like why, why did I do this to myself? Right? Like, why, why did I get to this point that I have all these things? I was just joking, uh, with my wife, we were clearing out some stuff this summer and I was like, I bet the neighbors think we're moving, you know, we got all this stuff out for bulk <laughs> waste. And it's like, geez, Louise, like, why, why do we still have, you know, the baby crib when our kids are in middle school? You know, it's just like, we have to let go of that, even though it's like, but our, but our kids were in there one day, you know, I mean, so it's, it's, it's such a, a, a relief when you do it, but at the same time as you sit there and when you look at it, almost go like, Oh my gosh, this is absolutely ridiculous that we've had what we've had for so long. 
Yeah, and I think you have to give yourself a little bit of a break. I mean, this is kind of human nature for us to collect our stuff and carry it everywhere we go. But as we're letting go, we can ask simple questions like, has this served its purpose? Yes, it has. Um, will I use it again? No. Do I, do I want to be a storage facility? No. Um, I think it's Francine J from MissMinimalist.com who says your home is living space, not storage space. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. And so I know like for you too, so the move kind of beyond, because what I really like about your work, it's not just about let's just get rid of stuff because we don't need it. I mean, you really, at least the way that I perceive your work and, and when I read and, and follow up on your stuff is it's really more about, you know, our mental well-being and our, our you know, feeling good health-wise and everything else. And it, it all just kind of ebbs and flows together. And so as, as people are decluttering and they're starting to move into these other realms, hopefully they start to feel better about themselves and, and feeling less stress and tension that there's not as much stuff. What are some tips or suggestions to help people kind of capture like the journey? Because one of the things that I think is important is as we go through this, hopefully we just naturally feel better and can feel it, but reminding ourselves kind of like how far we've come. And, and so have you, as, as you've worked through your journey and, and you've helped people, what have been some techniques or tips that, um, that people could do like listening in that, that they could kind of, I guess, document the journey um, so they can kind of see how far they've come? Because I think when you're in the moment, it's easy to be like, well, I haven't made any gain, right? Like, I mean, I'm looking in my, my office and I'm working through how to get rid of stuff. And, and sometimes, some days it looks like I've made more of a mess than where I started. But I know that the journey is going to be worth it in the end. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to document your progress. You could be journaling about the things that you're letting go, like just making a list of it. You could take a picture once a week of the space so you can actually see the progress, see the space that you're creating. Um, you might have a Facebook group where you're dropping a note in to say what you let go of that day. Um, certainly a blog is an option for people who are interested in that. Um, but to kind of scoot back to your other question about, you know, yeah, I, of course it's going to make you feel better to live with less, but I think we also have to be very intentionally taking better care of ourselves and watching how we, how we think what we do to, to the, that we think will make us feel better versus what maybe we should be doing. So for instance, I used to shop to feel better. Um, if I was down, had a bad day, was feeling bored, any kind of discomfort, I'd go shopping. But I realized that in those moments, my body wasn't saying, let's go shopping. It was saying, please take care of me. Uh, we have to find uh, this, you know, we're creating some space and time in our lives. And I think we have to use that to take better care of ourselves and to implement some of some better self-care techniques than shopping, drinking, eating away our pain. Yeah, I like that, and especially because we're now we're hitting around the holiday season, and I know like the shopping does two things. One, um, it creates stress and tension as we're trying to find time to do the shopping, and then it leads into finances and finding time to wrap presents and everything else. Um, but you have a, a challenge that, that that's that's going live here, which is all about you know like like the idea of thirty one gifts, but it's not 
you know, accumulating more physical objects. Um, and so um, could you talk about that a little bit? Because I think that's really important as, as we think about um, the way we mask our emotions. Actually, I was just speaking with a, a group of educators last night at a, at a workshop I was leading. We were talking about how when we wait for our kids at, at their practice events, say their practice is like an hour away, so many of us are just tempted to go shopping and just buy stuff just because we don't know what else to do. You know, it's like, how do we break these cycles um, where that just becomes the default mode? You know, whether it's clicking on Amazon because you're bored or just buying stuff at the mall because you've got nothing else to do or you're stressed. And so you use it as a escape mechanism. So I know I kind of right. loaded a lot of ideas there, but um, I know I was really excited about read the thing that you've got going on, but I think it feeds into this much bigger picture of, of, you know, breaking habits and, and, and not creating as much stress and tension. We don't have to be compelled to feel that way. Yeah. I think we definitely have to take a good look at why we shop, what we're buying, why we're buying it and what's happening to it after we make the purchase. Um, and especially around the holidays where there is a lot of societal pressure to exchange gifts, not just within like close friends and family circles, but with white elephant things at, ho- at corporate parties or, or with different groups that you participate in. Um, there's a lot of overspending going on and a, a lot of stuff ending up in landfills because I don't know about you, but I've never walked away from a white elephant swap with something that I thought, Ooh, <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to take this home. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the, the key is to really start shifting the discussions and, and see, you know, what, what might we do differently? Maybe instead of a white elephant gift, um, we find out what our local homeless shelter needs and we all bring a gift that then we can bring over to them. Or maybe we do a volunteer project together uh, or some, or we just get together and enjoy lunch, something like that. So there's not one more thing to add to everyone's list and then sit on somebody's counter for six months until they forget where it came from and why they have it. Uh, and same for friends and families, like having these gentle conversations about, you know, how, how do we want to do gifts differently this year? Is there any way we can, you know, gift experiences or plan to spend time together? Um, one thing that I did last year that I'm so, it was probably one of my very favorite gifts is that my sister-in-law and I, we live in different states. Um, we're very close, but we don't talk a lot because we just never like schedule the right time. And so our gift to each other last year was a once a month, 30 minute call. Mm. So we scheduled it all through the year once a month, we would get on the phone and talk for 30 minutes. And both of us just in the last month on our chat, we were like, guess what we're getting each other for Christmas again next year? Because it's, it's something so powerful. Um, and it, it keeps giving all year long. And it's not that much time. It's no expense. Uh, and we didn't have to buy something for each other, knowing that we probably wouldn't care for it very long anyway. Sure. No, I, I like so it. Yeah. the program that, that you mentioned 31 days of gifts is something that I started about, I think it was six years ago when I thought about like, what are the gifts of the season that we really want to enjoy? They really aren't things. They're not ever in the box, the things that we remember about the holidays. Um, and so I've just compiled 31, um, you know, a combination of recipes and musical playlists 
um, some craft projects, and then some ideas, like perhaps ease is a gift one day, and I might share how to bring more ease into your life, or taking a forest bath, um, just what you know, something where every day somebody can stop and kind of tap into this, grab their gift from the email, and say, how can I how can I slow down and enjoy, and enjoy the holidays today is really what it's all about because December is such a blur for most people unless you're very intentional about every day. Like what is the magic of the holidays for me today? Yeah, I, and I think it's, it's so true. I mean the just the burnout and the, the stress that the holidays cause, which is not the, the goal of the holidays by any means. We should be right. enjoying those moments with family and friends and, and, and all that good stuff. And I think when we finally get to that point, we can. But I also feel like sometimes you get to that point where you finally get everybody together and everybody just looks exhausted because they've just been scrambling for so long, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, we're, I think we're missing the point there, um, you know, of, of, of really what we're after with, with, with these opportunities that we have to, to come together and enjoy company and, and, and be together for those, for the right reasons and not just to compel like, oh my gosh, we have to go buy this and do that and get new outfits and, you know, or the family Christmas cards and this and that. And next thing you know, it's like, what are we doing? You know? Um, and so I think that's, yeah. <laughs> and we try, we're trying so hard to make the holidays perfect for everyone around us that we completely remove ourselves from the equation. And so we're not present. We're, cause we're too busy trying to get everything just right. And they miss us. We miss them. You know, what, what it all boils down to really is this, you know, presence over presence. So really showing up, put that first, put that before all the other stuff and see what you have time left over. You know, unfortunately we've kind of reverse engineered that where we're like, Oh, if we have a little bit of ourselves left over at the end of the year, we might be able to, you know, enjoy an evening with our family. Yeah. And, and, and kind of in the, the same playing field here a little bit. I was working with um, just last night, actually, with 50 brand new first year teachers that are trying to navigate the world of education. Um, and we started off with um, just what are you struggling with? And we kind of collected all their ideas. And so many of their their ideas of where they were struggling was they were struggling with burnout. They were struggling with stress. They were talking about the work-life balance. Um, you know, you had the occasional thing about kids and behavior, but the but the bigger issues that they were talking about and, and sharing, um, you know, was just this how to deal with, like, like life in general, right? Like, I mean, we're one, we're trying to learn a new job and whether you're an educator or any kind of new job is always a bit stressful. And we talked a little bit about, you know, it's the change of the seasons and here in Iowa, it's getting colder and it's getting darker faster and all those things that we know affect the body. Um, but as, as, as we think about that, we think whether we're talking the holidays here or we're talking about just the idea of feeling burnout in general, um, what are some of your tips or, or ideas um, that people could be thinking about going, man, I just don't know if I can continue to do this, you know, like, and I, and I, and my heart just broke for him. Cause I'm like, you're, you're in this really powerful, meaningful work. And the last thing you need to feel is that you're burning out and we're only in November, you know, we, we're not even to yeah. the halfway point. Um, and so 
what are some things because I think it's really just some of it I mean it's it's easy to say readjust your mindset but 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 they're feeling I mean those feelings are very real and I think a of lot of people course. feel that not just educators people feel that all around whether you're um, a single parent or you're you're trying to you know you're, you're working a second shift and don't get to see your kids as much or just whatever the the your your, your, your situation is and so what are some ways in which we can kind of work through that um, to to kind of get our mental stability, I guess, kind of back to a place where we don't feel so exhausted and burned out. Mm. Well, what's interesting, I think, about burnout is it can last for a really long time. So you can run on empty way longer than you might think you can. And it starts to feel like normal. And you just keep going and going and going until there is a complete breakdown, whether it be physical or mental or, you know, just walking away from the job. And I see this in a lot of different fields. Um, and so I think there's a couple things. One is at some point we have to say enough is enough. And that's exactly what I had to do when I got sick. Enough is enough. I can't do this anymore. I am not going to be walking in a year if I keep this up. Um, we have to take our health more seriously. Um, so whether it's MS or another condition or getting colds a lot or having migraines or whatever it is, that's all contributing to inflammation in your body, which is leading to other disease. We have to say enough is enough to that. Uh, and then be building up resilience to the burnout. So let's say we're kind of in that situation. The first step is calling a full stop, like I, this, I can't go on like this and you have to build some kind of strategy to come out of that. So you don't keep running on empty. And then when you're feeling better is building those, that resilience through eating well. I mean, really basic stuff here, which I know sounds easier than it is, but eating well, moving your body every day, sleeping seven, eight, nine hours a night, um, I know a lot of people just heard that and thought, oh my gosh, I haven't slept more than five <laughs> hours in forever. But look, sleep matters. Sleep is so important. Um, and and these things that we kind of take for granted, we have to return to. We have to return to the basics to build resilience so that when things do get busy um, or we have a hectic month, because as simple as your life gets, you still have those seasons or times but if you've built up some resilience to it, you can usually navigate it um, with a little more, I guess, with less chance of you going into full-on burnout. Uh, I think having a morning routine is really important, um, even though I know, especially I'm sure educators start pretty early in the morning, just having a few minutes every day that you can come back to yourself before you jump in uh, to the day is it matters. It matters. It helps you underreact throughout the day. So everything doesn't feel like an emergency. Um, you know, we always want to, to rush in and fix everything, but a lot of times things don't need that from us. They'll be fine without us. So if we just have a little more presence and space to step back and watch things for a second before we rush in, we might just be able to avoid the stress of a lot of you know, different little situations that come out throughout the day. Yeah. And I think you, 
you really hit upon something that I think is, is super vital. You know, there as and, and I know everybody listening knows this, but there isn't that magic bullet. There's not that, you know, that magical pill to swallow. And I think, you know, like when you were talking there, you're like, these are simple things. These are, you know, these are things that we have heard and been told and have read time and time again. And we continue to neglect them. I know I neglect some of these things and, and I'm even – even though I try to tell myself I'm working on them, I still am not, you know, when it comes to sleep, that's something that I know I have to get better at. Um, I'm an early riser. Yeah. You know, I start my day at four and I used to do that. I used to get up at four so I could get quality exercise and quiet time for reflection. And then I, I would do 30 minutes of reflection and then I would go exercise. And I had a, a great group of friends and I would start my day and then I'd be home in time to get my kids ready for school. And now I have, it's, it's what I'm working on, but now I have filled that void with work. Now I'm getting up and, mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm working to 6.30 so I can be prepared to go work. And I'm just like, what, Aaron, what are you doing? You know, like, like the, everything will be okay. You're still going to get your work done. You're not going to get, it's not like you're neglecting these things, but I have, you know, and I've neglected my health and it's all these, it's, it's, it's that, it's that cycle. Um, and so I think that that's so important for a takeaway for all of us is we know what we need to do. It's, it's now, you know, building those habits, those routines and holding ourselves accountable um, to get them done, getting good sleep and eating healthy and, you know, um, stepping away from work is, is huge. Like it can't consume us and it's really easy to let it consume us because I think people feel if you're not working all the time, then you're not doing a good enough job and you have to have that, that separation. Definitely. And I think we can let ourselves off the hook in terms of catching up. Like we always want to be caught up with everything or get ahead. That's such a myth. Like the work is just going to keep coming and coming and coming. You're not going to be caught up. You're not going to get ahead. And if you do, it's going to be over this like brief moment in time and then you'll be back where you were. So instead do a a step back. Like you said, take that break or take that time in the morning because chances are you'll be able to work more efficiently when you are working instead of kind of slugging through because you're so exhausted. Yeah, that's it's so good. And I think those are, those are just some key things that I think we could all just take some, some time to process ourselves and, and figure out where could we start to put, you know, put, put ourselves first. I always tell, tell our people and sometimes I need to probably listen to my own advice too, you know, in order to help and take care of others, we have to start with ourselves. If we can't take care of ourselves, it's it's not possible to take care of other people. And so I think listening through all these ideas that you shared is what's our what's your first step gonna be? You're hearing these things, you've heard them before. Now what are you actually going to do? Because if you don't, it's gonna lead to burnout. You're gonna find yourself in a situation that that, that we're all working so hard to try to avoid. All right. Um, Agreed. Yeah. And so I want to be respectful of your time. You've, you've shared some amazing things. And so as we kind of wrap this up here, are, are there any other ideas or thoughts or things that you want to bring to the table that, that we haven't addressed through, through this conversation that might be really important for, for the listeners to hear? I mean, really, I think we, we talked about the most important thing and we should probably wrap on that is that is to take care of you. Like we need you to take care of yourself because we want you to be there for us and for our kids and for the great work that you do. And we know you're so much better at it when you feel well and are taken care of. And so if it feels selfish to you, just, okay. So then it feels selfish to you. So what? Still do it. It still matters. It's still important. And really it's not selfish because you're showing up 
for everyone else in such a, a, a more impactful way if you start with you. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's a, a perfect note to end on as, as we kind of go back and, and reflect on, on everything that we're doing and figuring out how to live a better life so that we can better serve one another. Uh, Courtney, this has been absolutely phenomenal. I'm, I'm truly honored to, to have a chance to speak with you. Um, for those that want to find out more about you, um, where can they reach out? Um, you know, make sure you, we'll put all the links in the show notes. I know you, you have a book that, that came out um, about a year ago. You've got amazing, this is the last year for the Simple Year program, I believe, right? This is the last, for, yes. for that and so um 2019 yes yeah. so so could you spend some time here and just share people where they can find you talk about some of those things that you've got going on i'll make sure i link it all in because it's such great stuff that i think um you know if these people haven't heard of it they need to take an opportunity to at least go check it out because it might be um a good support system if nothing else to help them do all the things we just talked about here in this episode yeah well i mean certainly my website be more with less.com has everything you could possibly need in terms of simplifying your life. I've been writing there for over eight years. Um, you can search by category or keyword or by what you're struggling with, and there will likely be some solutions or recommendations. And then if you want to go deeper, I have a program that you mentioned called A Simple Year that is a year of month-by-month um, month simplifying. So a different topic every month. We start with clutter in January. Um, we do money in February, uh, wardrobe in March. Uh, I'm not going to remember every single month here, but food, travel, self-care, gratitude. It's a really fun program. And this is the last year we're going to offer it um, in 2019. So if you are interested in more guidance and help along the way, definitely um, check that out. That's at simpleyear.co, but you can find it through my website as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all that you do um, to help so many people try to find that that pathway to being the best version of themselves. And I, I really appreciate appreciate you taking time to uh, speak with me today. And I know that this is going to lead to some great conversations for so many educators and anybody else listening into this podcast as we start to start to remember how to take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. So th thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you.